When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can follow me over at Rad Rivas and our account over at Lakers SBN, or you can check us out on silverscreenandroll.com where all of our work is. Um, I am Christian Rivas, your only host, until I find a replacement for Grant, who left me to die for Bleacher Report. But uh, I mean, shout out to him doing big things uh but i am here with a, a pretty special guest i'm here with ali Bapornia of south bay lakers film room not to be confused with lakers film room which is our good mm-hmm. friend pete zayas ali how are you doing today pal i'm good i'm good i actually uh first time or second time ever having to use crutches so i crutched all the way upstairs oh no I'm pretty pre- pretty sweaty but you know I, <laughs> I i like to think i like to think i'm somewhat fit but when you have crutches, it's just a whole different ball game. So yeah, I just I have not gotten used to that, and I don't think I can. Yo, definitely not. I've been fortunate enough never to have to use crutches. I mean, I probably <laughs> needed crutches. I was I kicked. I'm, I'm knocking my, on wood for you right now. <laughs> I kicked for my uh, for my high school football team my senior year, and I messed uh-huh. up my toe pretty bad. And I probably should have been on crutches, but I didn't have health insurance in high school, uh-huh. and uh, so. I just powered through it, and then I went to go see the athletic trainer, and he's like, oh, yeah, dude, your toe's broken. And I said, oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> uh, so not great, yeah, but you're, I, not, you're, you're not the only person. I mean, you don't play for the Lakers, uh, but the I feel like – I tried. It didn't, it didn't work out. <laughs> I think yeah. the, the uh, it's contagious, the yeah. amount of oh, injuries absolutely. that that have piled up within the organization just being – in the UCLA Health Training Center, you must have caught something. You no, know, absolutely, because I've been healthy all season long. I used to have ankle problems, but in the last two years, I've been relatively healthy. And then, you know, just maybe talking about all the injury issues with the Lakers and complaining about it, the bug just got to me. I completely agree. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean, not. I'm not saying hopefully it only happens to you, but I don't wish injuries <laughs> upon anybody else. Uh, no, but- I would... I would rather have it than than having it like happen to LeBron or anything. I'm glad I took that. <laughs> uh, but injuries are it seem like it seems like they're inevitable with this team. And the Lakers lost another player today for the season. Uh, the Lakers mm-hmm. announced that Josh Hart underwent a successful ultrasonic uh, debridement procedure on his right knee. Uh, Patellar mm-hmm. tendon this morning, and he's expected to be out at least twelve weeks, three months. If I can do basic math, uh, it's not great. I wish they would have done this sooner in the season. Uh, but from what it sounds like, it, it didn't make a difference whether or not they did it two or two weeks ago or two weeks from now. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they decided to do it now than in the summer, because if like from watching the games, you always saw him struggling out there, even though he's giving it his all, you'd always see him grimace on the court and. It just looked uncomfortable, so I thought I thought it's better now. I, like you said, I wish they would have done it maybe two weeks ago, but at least they did it now, and you can play the young guys more and you know just let him rest throughout the summer and hopefully get him back soon. Yeah, and he's on a he's on a guaranteed contract for next season, so it's not like he's yeah you know ha- has to work out and 
show teams he's healthy. He'll be back. We're assuming, uh, assuming mm-hmm. they don't all get shipped off to New Orleans or some other team in a <laughs> in a desperation yeah. trade. Uh, it's going to be an eventful summer. Um, I mean, Josh Hart might not be healthy for the first part of it, but Lonzo will be. Uh, you know, got Lord willing, Hopefully. and Brandon yeah. Ingram is ex- expected to make a full recovery. So. Uh, that part I'm not worried about the the internal roster movement and development I'm not worried about. But the one thing that is like almost surely going to change this season is the head coaching position, and mm-hmm. that obviously starts with Luke Walton. Um, he thinks he's going to be the head coach next season, but nobody else does. Um, I, he told he told Bill Orm of the Athletic, and I quote: "I fully accept." expect to be coaching the team again this uh, next year. Meanwhile, everything that has come out has just been names that have been linked to the Lakers, like Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, and Tyron Lue. Yeah. Uh, for sure, Luke has been saying all of that. But to be fair, he's not going to answer that question any other way. He's not going to say, like, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm, I'm glad he said that because he should have the confidence to be here next year. But, yeah, I'm fully expecting him not. Uh, I'm also shocked by all the rumors that have come out. Like recently, the most recent one was Dallas's coach, uh, Rick Carlisle. Right. I, that one shocked the that one shocked me because I was not expecting that name to pop up. Which out of all the names that have popped up, he's at the top of the list for sure. But I I don't expect that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I I'm I'm not shocked he gave that answer though. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody is. Do I mean what is he supposed to say? Like yeah. I've, I've, I'm already looking for places <laughs> in different cities. Um, it, it's kind of kind of the same thing with Tyron Lue, too. I know he said he'd probably reach out to Luke if the Lakers reached out to him. Uh, mm-hmm. But if the Lakers are reaching out to him while Luke's still under contract, that's probably not a good look on them. And him saying yeah, otherwise a- uh, would probably hurt his chances of getting the job. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much we can trust anything that's coming out uh, right now, but it is what we have. Uh, and mm-hmm. as far as head coaching candidates, you mentioned Rick Carlisle. And it seems like the Lakers have an infatuation with people that are under contract with other teams. <laughs> like they yeah. love exclusively talking to people that are employed by other teams, whether it's Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a giant headache. But Carlisle is in a different class. Uh, when it comes to the head coaching candidates the Lakers have been linked to, which is also the reason he probably won't be the head coach of the Lakers. And why would he? Like, sure, he's under contract, but assuming his contract wasn't an issue, why would he leave uh, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and uh, possibly a max player this summer to save whatever the dumpster fire the Lakers are right now? I I feel like the the reason that came out was because Magic likes Rick Carlisle, and so he's like, I'm going to throw this out there, <laughs> and hopefully he sees this and goes, hmm, that's actually pretty interesting. LeBron plus maybe max free agents and a good young core. Yeah, absolutely. But that's just them. I saw Anthony tweet out. He tweeted out something like, I think he said Magic was just throwing out names just to see the reactions from people. Yeah. So that might have been it. Next, next up might be, uh, he'll think about, I don't know. I can't think as LeBron as a player coach. I don't know. Right. Or Eric Spolstra, <laughs> which would be wonderful. I love to see Eric Spolstra yeah. oh. in LA. Oh, for but sure. For sure. If there, 
if there was any way we could trade everybody in the front office, including the head coach <laughs> for Miami's front office and coach, just bring Pat Riley back to LA, have Spolcher on the show. Um, but again, that's unlikely. And Luke's <laughs> probably gone this summer. And I think a large part of it is him just not being their guy, not being their hire. Uh, but yeah. I think you can also make the argument that he's kind of made his own bed uh, with the second half of the season and the way he's handled his roster and rotations. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, because even in the beginning, like you said about not being Maddox's guy, even in the beginning of the season, they were complaining about Luke. Um, and he was also, I mean, at least from what Stephen A has been saying in the reports that came out, that Magic's complaining about his assistant coaches about them not having any experience, uh, and he'd never hired someone new or anything like that. So definitely, definitely see him not coming back. But I just, uh, I, I don't see, how many days after uh, the last game do you think Luke gets fired? Like how many days do you think Magic gives him? I think it'll be, so he'll give his exit interview, and then yeah. they'll give it no a way week. before that. Yeah, they'll give it a week to to let it breathe, and then I expect like a week after exit interviews, we get uh, breaking news that the Lakers. Um, honestly, what I expect to happen is a, a report saying Luke's resigning from his head coach position. I don't think the Lakers will outright say Ooh. they're going to come out and fire him, uh, uh-huh. for, like a, from a public relations standpoint, because yeah. it feels like they do this every other two years. Uh, mm-hmm. And Luke's still under contract, so that's that's my expectation. And where they go from there, I have no idea. I think Tyron Lue's probably the favorite to land the job because of his yeah. ties with LeBron and the organization. Mm-hmm. I'd say from every coach that's currently available, I would say he's definitely at the top of it. It's not it's not a huge selection and not a great selection, but right. he's definitely at the top of the list. Did you see the report that came out, or at least I just recently saw it, where it was Lou at halftime calling out LeBron in Game Seven? I did not know. It was it was the year where they came back uh, from the three one deficit, and he called out LeBron um, for I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. He called out LeBron for not uh, playing like too aggressive or not playing uh, defensively. Right. And he, LeBron was shocked, and he went to all the assistant coaches and said, like, could you believe that Tyron Lue said that? And then uh, they all kind of agreed with Lue, and then, you know, LeBron came out and just destroyed. So he's like the coach that will definitely call out LeBron for, you know, his lack of effort or anything like that. Which so is I would good. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. You need someone who's not afraid to call out the star player. And it's it's not just – so the, my my thing with Luke – at least in theory, I think he wanted to integrate LeBron into the team uh, and not mm-hmm. vice versa, which probably isn't the best. Like it, it, it's kind of uncharted territory when it comes to coaches and LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like I think Luke wanted him to play within his system. What that system is. I don't know. We haven't seen it uh-huh. in the three years he's been head coach, but yeah. I think he really just wanted LeBron to buy into whatever he was doing. And I think as soon as the Lakers started the season off the way they did 0-3, LeBron kind of said, well, I'm going to do my own thing because whatever you're doing isn't working. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that has caused some rift between 
him, his camp, and Luke, and the reports are coming out. Not that not that you need to be an NBA insider to see this, uh, but mm-hmm. the same report from Bill Orham said that James Camp has not so quietly pushed for a change at the head coaching position. And Tanya Ganguly of the LA Times um, reported the same thing earlier today, uh, which isn't a great look for Luke, uh, whether or not he deserves that or not. Uh, the fact that his star player and his front office wants him gone, and the one person he had backing from this entire season, Jeannie Buss, has said she won't step in uh, if the front office decides to fire Luke. It doesn't sound like a guy that's going to be sticking around for much longer. No, definitely not. Uh, I, I remember those reports, and it feels like those reports, because I remember that report came out with Eric Spolster, too, in Miami. Yeah, and then uh, he wanted Pat Riley to coach, if I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. And Pat Riley and Pat Riley was like, "No, Eric Spolster is the guy." So that's happened before, but I think uh, LeBron has more of a case here than he did with Spolstra. Right. Uh, yeah, Walton definitely he had support from Genie early on, but after that report, it seemed like there were the, just the chances were very low. I, I was curious, what do you how do you, what are your thoughts on like how he's developed the young core? Do you think he's done a good job of that? I think the one thing Luke should definitely get credit for and we'll probably follow him to wherever or will be the case for him getting another job in the NBA is one, him being consistent with his message with the team as far as like keeping the locker room together. I think there's a lot of intangible stuff Luke brings to the table that are invaluable to a head coaching position. That's one of them. Uh, the other being the fact that he got these guys to buy, buy in defensively when they were healthy. Um, I mean, last season, they had absolutely no business being a good defensive team. And Lonzo was obviously a big part of that. But you look at the personnel they had on the roster last season, it doesn't exactly scream top 10 defensive uh, team. And the same can be said about, yeah. you know, this season, as much as the front office boasted about signing tough-minded defensive guys like Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo. Lance and Rondo haven't been positive defensive guys for the greater half of this decade. And LeBron hasn't been a positive defensive guy for quite some time either. So, you know, you get a bunch of first, second, third-year players and guys don't that don't exactly have a reputation for being a good defensive team. And the first 30 games of the season, you have them playing a top-five defense in the NBA. That's not nothing... Sorry, that's not nothing. Like, you can't ignore that while detracting from Luke Walton. Like, that is a very good thing that he did. Um, and I think, it again, it just goes back to him trying to get guys to buy into his system, saying, look, our team is very limited offensively. We obviously don't have a ton of shooters. If we want to be a good offensive team, it has to start on the defensive end. We're a fast team. Uh, we can get out in transition, and you know that's going to be our bread and butter all season. When Lonzo went out, uh, I think that took a big hit to everything they tried to do as a team on both ends. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's a big part of of the development for the young guys and the team in general. Uh, any any team that's looking to develop a culture, uh, I think Luke Walton's a great start as far as the as far as a head coach. I, I 100% agree with you. I think he's for sure going to get another opportunity to coach an NBA. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't know about like right away, but right. I, I'm certain he will. Uh, I I have higher hopes of him becoming a coach sooner than Jason Kidd, for example. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but or Derek Fisher too. Uh, but I 
the one thing I didn't like about Luke's uh, coaching-wise is just there's two things mainly. It was the rotations. And then secondly, it was the leash he'd give to a lot of the young guys. For example, right, right now with Mo Wagner, it's the end of the season. And, you know, he's, he even said how he's like, anytime uh, he makes any mistake, he pulls him out to teach him to like teach him a lesson in a way. Yeah. I, it's the end of the season. You've got to let those guys make those mistakes. There were, there's no playoff chances early in the season. Sure. Like I totally understand that. Uh, Cause you can't, you can't lose games or anything, but, Right yeah. now, knowing you're not making the playoffs, knowing LeBron and them aren't playing, none of the young guys, you, I, I feel like you can't be doing that near that like this late in the season. And it seems like he has an especially uh, short leash with Mo, and I don't know why. Yeah, every it was the same every way time, with Randall too. Right, and every time mm-hmm. in the the pool reports um, after the game, they'll ask him about you know Mo had a good st- stretch of minutes for you tonight. What did you think of it? And he usually downplays mm-hmm. it and says, like, you know, yeah. we we just want him to build those habits. Um, like he can have good games, but he really needs to start building those habits because you can have good games, but we want to instill things in young guys, yada yada yada, you know, all mm-hmm. that good stuff. But w- when I watch Mo, I I don't really get the sense that he's not playing the right way. Like he makes good reads on uh, mm-hmm. on passes. He knows how to attack closeouts. He makes decent cuts. Um, so in that area, I don't know what Luke is referring to. I mean, maybe there's behavioral issues with Mo, but I mean, I can't see that either. I've spoken to him three or four times now and he seems like a good kid. Yeah, no, I, it seems like he does that a lot to players who he really believes in. So for example, Randall had a really big relationship last year, you could see, and he would yank him out as soon as he do like any little tiny mistake. Yeah. Or some, like you said, that you couldn't even really tell. But maybe he talks back to him or something like that. Yeah. And so he seems to do that in players that he really believes in and that he knows that they can play much better than they really are. So, I don't know, maybe he sees that in him, so he's trying to do that. But, again, early in the season, totally understand. But this late in the season, I, I, I don't understand it too much. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for Mike Muscala and Tyson Chandler <laughs> to be playing another second this season. Um, yeah, especially when you have guys like Mo and Jonathan, Jonathan Williams on the bench, and yeah. Um, yeah. The, and that's the other thing I wanted to talk about because you've covered the team pretty extensively uh, since the late last year, from what I understand. Um, yeah, from it, December 2018. Right. So. Mm-hmm. I think the a lot of the frustrations fans have with Luke have resurfaced since Alex Caruso and Jonathan Williams have been called up because both of mm-hmm. them have played very good minutes at positions mm-hmm. of need that the Lakers have had all season. Uh, and yeah. it's leaving fans looking at Luke in the front office saying, like, where were these guys earlier this season when we needed a point guard and we needed a center? Um, did you, as somebody that covered the team, that covers the team, did you expect Caruso and Williams to step in and make an impact the way they have uh, at this point in the season? So it's funny because I, in all honesty, with Car- especially with Caruso, I did it. So when Caruso, he's been playing well these past few seasons for South Bay, but this season was probably his worst. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was he was forcing passes. He'd shoot some crazy shots inside the paint. Um, his three-point percentage fell off a cliff. This season, he was shooting, I believe he was shooting 26.9% from three. 
Mm-hmm. And so he was averaging 3.4 turnovers. His defense was still there, but his offensive game was just not there at all. And so when he got called up, I thought, you know, his defensive game will still be there, but he would struggle a lot offensively, and people will start to see that. His, the fact that he currently in the – I won't count the first game because he played five minutes, but since um, uh, March 6th, he's been shooting 42.3% from three and on 2.4 attempts. I did not see that coming whatsoever. And his and off, then, Yeah, because his off-ball movement has been good since he's been called up, which is great yeah. for which is great for him. Uh, but when I'm referring to off-ball movement, I'm mostly referring to the fact that he's a pretty good cutter. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's able to move off-ball and make those catch-and-shoot threes playing alongside playmakers like Rondo and LeBron, that's huge for his development, not just as a player, but you know, specifically on this team if he if he plans to be back next season. Mm-hmm. I, I With Selfie, my favorite... When I thought he was best was when he was at the two position, right. when he wasn't the primary ball handler, because he could do those. Because he, he, then he could off uh, use off ball movement and cut in the lane. Because guys like Machado would find him or Jamario Jones. That's when I thought he was at best, not when he was trying to play make for the team. So especially with LeBron right now, their chemistry is so nice. Right. He kind of I think I think it like their LeBron. You, you can see how much he respects Crusoe too when they're out there. And LeBron's always, like, you go back in LeBron's resume and the point guards he's played with, with mm-hmm. the exception of Kyrie Irving, and Dwayne Wade's not a point guard, but he's he's a ball-handling guard. Uh, mm-hmm. LeBron's thrived playing alongside guys that don't need the ball in their hands, that play tough defense, mm-hmm. and just shoot the heck out of the ball. And you look at guys like Mario Chalmers, Matthew Dellavedova, um, yeah. maybe maybe Caruso isn't as talented as those guys on paper, but he definitely mm-hmm. fits that mold. And I think he could be a very successful third string, if not second string point guard, if he's if he's brought back next season. And it's getting to the point where I think the Lakers should seriously consider using that last roster spot to give him a two a, a two year non guaranteed deal. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I want him to be, I, I don't know about backup point guard, but I want I really want him to be third string in case of injuries or anything like that. He's a right. perfect third string point guard to have. And it's it's interesting that you brought up Matthew Delvadova. That's the guy who I really think he not plays like, but reminds me a lot when he plays alongside LeBron. Yeah. I also, I also had this interesting take. I didn't, I don't know if it's true or not. It's just what I think. Uh, I think Caruso maybe was trying a lot of new things with South Bay this year, and I think he was a bit maybe tired of playing there. Yeah. I mean, he obviously loves the team, his, his teammates and everything, but I think he thought he would like he felt like he was an NBA player, so he was a bit, you know, just not giving as much effort this season mm-hmm. and not trying as hard. And so when he got this shot again, uh, when he got called up, he just said, you know what, I'm going to give it my all. And so you saw the real Crusoe, and you, and he's just bowling out for us. And I think that's the, the, when you look at guys on the affiliate team, or just G League guys in general, mm-hmm. uh, you look at guys like Vander Blue and, and past years, guys that can mm-hmm. really score the ball in the G League. Uh, but the, the thing with Caruso, and the thing I like about him, is that he has uh, more than one NBA skill. Like he plays defense, he moves off the ball well, and he makes good passes. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's something that these these G League guys that want to get a call up need to realize is that it's not just about putting up big numbers in the G League or even overseas guys putting up, you know, 40 points per game. Look at Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette just got a call up from the Phoenix Suns and he's struggling so far because, you know, despite how many years he's had overseas, he's still a pure scorer and, you know, pure scorers are a dime a dozen in the NBA. So I credit Caruso for the work he's put in. He's a real good kid. And I, I really hope uh, the Lakers find a way to keep him around uh, beyond this season. But yeah, if they, if they do, decide to bring him back. That means one of their two-way spots uh, is going to be open next season. And assuming they bring somebody in from their affiliate team, who mm-hmm. would you say right now is the favorite to get that spot? I have that easily being Jamario Jones. And and be, our Lakers Twitter loves him. And I, right. for good reason, because he he's that guy. He reminds me a lot. They're not, they're not play style, but energy level of, of David Nwaba. He's, he rebounds the ball a bit better, and David Nwaba is a lot stronger than him. Mm-hmm. But the, the amount of energy that they play with on the court is very similar, and fans are going to love him. I also think that other two-way spot will probably be a shooter. Mm. Uh, I don't know who, but I feel like they're going to give it to a shooter. I don't know why. I just, I just have that feeling. Yeah, I don't know the specifics of Jonathan Williams' contract. I know. In 2017, it was announced Alex Caruso was signed to a two-way contract. And not until uh-huh. this past summer was it announced that it was a two-year two-way. So I don't know if the uh-huh. same is true of Jonathan Williams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if he's yeah. back on a two-way next season. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I do agree in regards to Jamario Jones. I know a lot of Lakers Twitter loves him. Uh, and it's worth noting that he's a 6'5 forward. Yep. He's averaging... Yep. Nine points, nine rebounds as a six-five forward, and he has decent playmaking skills too. I mean, he just has a really high motor and a high basketball IQ. He he had two games where uh, two in the last or two of three games where he got nine offensive rebounds in both of them. I, I the nobody boxes him out, which is the funniest thing. <laughs> I don't know if they don't watch the game film, but if you watch his game. As soon as the shot goes up, he's sprinting to the to the hoop to go get the board, and Which nobody it, boxes him out. Yeah, and and that's the type of player the Lakers have lacked all season is somebody um, that just cares, that plays really really hard. And I think Jamario Jones checks all those boxes. I think they'll definitely look at undrafted guys first um, mm-hmm. before they they make any decisions on their two way contracts, but. I think I'd agree with you. Jamario Jones is probably that guy. Uh, but at the next level, uh, if you had to sell guys, if you had to sell somebody on Jamario Jones uh, getting that two-way roster spot, how would you sell them on his game translating to the next level? I see him a lot. Like, you know how with Caruso, for example, in Caruso, I have this down. Uh, it's, in Caruso's last, uh, five games, not counting the last one, mm. but his on-court and uh, off-court plus-minus, his on-court is plus 4.2, his off-court is minus 10. And he's only shot 30% from the field in those five but he affected the game in so many other ways, like we said earlier. With right. Mario, it's the same exact way. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He doesn't need to, you know, he doesn't need to score to make a difference on the court. He, his defensive instincts are insane. 
He can switch onto any one through four. And with centers, he has he has a bit of trouble. They can switch onto any one through four. So when Lakers run the small ball lineup, he can fit in perfectly. Right. Uh, this summer, it's really important for him to get a little stronger. I would say because uh, on the in the NBA level, guys are a little bit bigger, and we haven't seen him play on the NBA level. That's why I was really hoping he'd get a 10-day because I wanted to see how he'd do. Yeah. But I think he'd be able to hold his own for the most part, at least with one through threes. And he just brings enjoyment to the game. He, whenever he's on the floor, he's always smiling. Anytime you see someone down, he always talks to them nonstop. And another thing I'd sell him with is he loves to try to give high fives to the opponent, to the opponents at the free throw line. Oh no. He's successful. He does it every time, every time, and it, the opponents always fall for it. It's the funniest thing. It makes no sense to me, but the opponent always gives him a high five. And I, I asked him about that, and he said he did, he's been doing it since his uh, high school days. So, yeah, that part's really funny. But he just affects the game in so many ways, and his defensive IQ is just so high for someone. He's only 23, and for him to, you know, this is his first year in the G League, and to be performing the way he does, Mm. It's just, I think it'll translate just fine in the NBA. His, he well, does need to get his shot down, though. He, his three point percent, his three point shooting is not great. Except yeah. In his last home game, he hit. He went two for two from the three point line, and uh, he just went crazy after he hit the second. And I asked him after the game about that, and he's like, "I was just feeling it." <laughs> but yeah, he he his three point. He needs to get a shot definitely. Yeah, and I mean, to his credit, though it's not like he shoots a whole bunch. Like he knows his limitations on offense. I think he's averaging less than one three point attempt per game. I think it's something like 0.9 yeah. uh, three point attempts per game. So uh, credit to him for not, you know, trying that in season while his team's trying to win <laughs> games. Um, but they're assuming the Lakers don't bring back Machado uh, and mm-hmm. also going with the assumption that they don't, bring uh sign Caruso to that guaranteed contract uh is there anybody else on the roster you could see getting that 10 day for the last five games of the season besides Jamario correct that's correct uh ooh. uh I would give it to two people I'd I'm shocked Spencer Hawes I thought Spencer Hawes might get a because he's been playing really well he, I thought so as well I, huh I thought so as well I thought I thought he oh, might yeah. get a, a, a 10 day out of, out of that. As soon as they acquired him, uh, as soon as South Bay acquired him, I, I thought maybe the next step was him getting a call up. Yeah. It's interesting to me. Cause I mean, I used to watch Spencer Hawes, not like every game. I wasn't a huge Spencer Hawes fan, but right. I, when he used to play, I didn't see him having the, like he, the way he play makes for the South Bay. He at times was the like point guard on the floor. It was it was weird to watch because they hand the ball and he would just like look for cutters and he would find such little spaces to get the ball in between. He'd always find guys like Jamario or Marcus Allen who would cut into the basket. Uh, so I would I would go with Spencer Hawes or second I would go the other person would be probably Travis Ware. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Ware he had a hamstring injury I believe uh, early on and in the last few games when I watch him there's some games where it looks like it doesn't affect him at all. And in some games, you can noticeably tell that it is affecting him. So I don't know if they do. If if I had to pick one of the two, I think it would be Spencer Hawes. But as far as with Spencer Hawes, I was it wasn't just with the Lakers that I was shocked they didn't pick him up. I thought some playoff team would pick him up and keep him as like the third string center in case of any injuries in the playoffs. 
I thought for sure a team would pick him up because of the way he's playing. And one of the last, I think it was the last home game, there were a lot of scouts out there, and I heard it was mostly for Spencer Hawes. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you, you saw guys like uh, Terrence Jones carve it up in the in the G League this year, and he got the call up. Mm-hmm. I think he was waived, and I don't know if he's been picked up again. But um, yeah, I, I don't I think could, so. Yeah, I could very easily see Spencer Hawes getting picked up. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting summer uh, for both the Lakers and South Bay. Uh, and Indeed. I thank you for trying for trying to break it all down with us. That's our show for today. Um, and by next show, I'm hoping to have a co-host. So it's not just me and somebody else <laughs> rambling on. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad it was you rambling on today, Ali. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I loved it. Thank you. Uh, and if you guys like uh, Ali's work, you can follow him over at South Bay Lakers uh, Film Room. Or is, is it just SB Lakers Film Room? Uh, yeah, it's at SB Laker Film Room. Okay, and then you can follow... South, it, it was too long for the South Bay Laker Film Room. We don't want to fit. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then if you want to follow his personal account, uh, you can follow him at Ali underscore Peponia. Ali, uh, thank you again for joining us, and thank you all for listening. If you enjoy our show, make sure to leave us a nice little review on iTunes. Uh, if Give it a five-star review if you think it's worth that, and otherwise, we'll see you all next time.